Chapter Two of Rufus and Rose, or the Fortune of Rough and Ready. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Maxwell. Rufus and Rose, or the Fortunes of Rough and Ready, by Horatio Alger Jr. Chapter Two. The House in Waverly Place. Leaving the park, Miss Manning crossed the street, went up the front steps of a handsome house, and rang the bell. "'What a nice house,' said Rose, admiringly. "'Are we going to live here?' "'No, I don't think we can afford it, but I will ask to see the rooms.' Soon the door was opened, and a servant girl looked at them inquiringly. "'Can I see the rooms you have to let?' asked the seamstress. "'Step in a moment, and I'll call Mrs. Clayton.' They stepped into a hall and remained waiting till a woman of middle age with a pleasant countenance came up from below where she had been superintending the servants. "'I saw your advertisement of rooms to let,' commenced Miss Manning, a little timidly, for she knew that the house was a finer one than with her limited means she could expect to enter, and felt a little like a humbug. "'Yes, I have two small rooms vacant.' "'Are they expensive?' asked the seamstress, with hesitation." I ought to say that only one is at my disposal, said the landlady, and that is a hall bedroom on the third floor back. The other is a square room, nicely furnished, on the upper floor, large enough for two. But last evening, after I had sent in the advertisement, Mrs. Coleman, who occupies my second floor front, told me she intended to get a young lady to look after her two little girls during the day, and teach them, and would wish her to occupy the larger room. I thought when I first saw you that you were going to apply for the situation. A sudden thought came to Miss Manning. Why could she not undertake this office? It would pay her much better than sewing, and the children would be companions for Rose. How old are the little girls, she said. One is five, the other seven years old. Mrs. Coleman is an invalid and does not feel able to have the children with her all the time. Is Mrs. Coleman at home? Yes, would you like to see her? I should. I am fond of children, and I might be willing to undertake the charge of hers, if she thought fit to entrust them to me. I think it's quite likely you can come to an agreement. She was wondering this morning where she could hear of a suitable person. Wait here a moment, and I will go and speak to her. Mrs. Clayton went upstairs and returned shortly. Mrs. Coleman would like to see you, she said. I will lead the way. Miss Manning followed the landlady upstairs, and was ushered into a large, handsomely furnished room on the second floor. There was a cheerful fire in the grate, and beside it, in an easy chair, sat a lady, looking nervous and in delicate health. Two little girls, who seemed full of the health and vitality which their mother lacked, were romping noisily on the floor. "'Mrs. Coleman,' said the landlady, "'this is the young lady I spoke of.' "'Take a seat, please,' said Mrs. Coleman politely. I'm an invalid, as you see, Mrs. Here she looked up inquiringly. Miss Manning, said the seamstress. Then the little girl is not yours? Not mine, but I have the care of her, as her mother is dead. How old is she? Eight. A little older than my Jenny. Are you fond of children, Miss Manning? Very much so. I am looking for someone who will look after my little girls during the day and teach them. At present they know absolutely nothing, and I have not been willing to send them out of the house to school. What I have been thinking is of securing someone who would live in the house, and take the care of the children off my hands. 
I am an invalid, as you see, and sometimes their noise absolutely distracts me. Miss Manning was struck with pity as she noticed the pale, nervous face of the invalid. Then the children need to go out and take a walk every day, but I have no one to send with them. You wouldn't object to that, would you? No, I should like it. Could you come soon? I could come tomorrow if you desire it, said Miss Manning promptly. I wish you would. I have a nervous headache which will last me some days, I suppose, and the children can't keep still. I suppose it is their nature to be noisy. I can take them out for an hour now, if you like it, Mrs. Coleman. It would give me a chance to get acquainted. Would you? It would be quite a relief to me, and to them, too. Oh, there is one thing we must speak of. What compensation will satisfy you? I don't know how much I ought to ask. I am willing to leave that matter to you. You would want your little girl to live with you, I suppose. Yes, she needs me to look after her. Very well. Then I will pay Mrs. Clayton for the board of both of you, and if two dollars a week would satisfy you, would satisfy her, Miss Manning's breath was quite taken away at the magnificent prospect that opened before her. She could hardly conceive it possible that her services were worth a home in so nice a house, and two dollars a week besides. Why, toiling early and late at her needle, she had barely earned hitherto thirty-seven cents a day, and out of that all her expenses had to be paid. Now she would still be able to sew while the children were learning their lessons. She would no longer be the occupant of a miserable tenement house, but would live in a nice quarter of the city. She felt devoutly thankful for the change, but on the whole considered that perhaps it was not best to let Mrs. Coleman see just how glad she was. So she simply expressed herself as entirely satisfied with the terms that were offered. Mrs. Coleman seemed glad that this matter had been so easily arranged. Mrs. Clayton will show you the room you are to occupy, she said. I have not been into it, but I understand that it is very comfortable. If there is any addition in the way of furniture which you may require, I will make it at my own expense. Thank you. You are very kind. Here Mrs. Clayton reappeared, and at the request of Mrs. Coleman, offered to show them the room which they were to occupy. It is on the upper floor, she said apologetically, but it is of good size and pleasant when you get to it. She led the way into the room. It was, as she had said, a pleasant one, well-lighted and of good size. A thick woolen carpet covered the floor. There were a bureau, a clothes-press, a table, and other articles needful to make it comfortable. After the poor room they had occupied, it looked very attractive. "'I think I shall like it,' said Miss Manning with satisfaction. "'Are we to live here?' asked Rose, who had not quite understood the nature of the arrangement." "'Yes, Rosie. Do you think you shall like it?' "'Oh, yes, ever so much. When are we coming?' "'Tomorrow morning. You will have two little girls to play with.' "'The little girls I saw in that lady's room downstairs?' "'Yes. Do you think you shall like it?' "'I think it will be very nice,' said Rose, with satisfaction. "'Well, how do you like the room, Miss Manning?' said Mrs. Coleman, when they returned from upstairs. "'It looks very pleasant. I have no doubt I shall like it.' I think you will need a rocking chair and a sofa. I will ask Mr. Coleman to step into some upholsterers as he goes downtown tomorrow and send them up. If it wouldn't be too much trouble, Miss Manning, I will ask you to help Carrie and Jenny on with their hats and cloaks. They quite enjoy the thought of a run out of doors with you and your little girl. By the way, what is her name? Rose. A very pretty name. I have no doubt the three children will soon become excellent friends. She seems a nice little girl. 
Rose is a nice little girl, said the seamstress affectionately. In a short time they were on their way downstairs. In the hall below they met the landlady once more. What is the price of your hall bedroom, Mrs. Clayton? asked Miss Manning. Five dollars and a half a week was the answer. It needs to be mentioned that this was in the day of low prices and that such an apartment now, with board, would cost at least twelve dollars a week. What made you ask, Miss Manning, said Rose? I was thinking that perhaps Rufus might like to take it. Oh, I wish he would, said Rose. Then we would all be together. We are speaking of her brother, said Miss Manning, turning to Mrs. Clayton. How old is he? Fifteen. Is he at school or in a place? He is in a broker's office in Wall Street. Then, as he is the little girl's brother, I will say only five dollars a week for the room. Thank you, Mrs. Clayton. I will let you know what he decides upon tomorrow. They went out to walk, going as far as Union Square, where Miss Manning sat down on a bench and let the children sport at will. It is needless to say that they very soon got well acquainted, and after an hour and a half, which their bright eyes testified to their having enjoyed, Miss Manning carried the little Colmans back to Waverly Place, and, with Rose, took the horse cars back to their old home. "'Won't Rufy be surprised when he hears about it?' said Rose. Yes, Rosie, I think he will, said Miss Manning. End of chapter 2